Hello. Hello, John. How are you? <clears throat> Hi, Dan. Hi. How are you? Great. What's going on? Oh, just <clears throat> having a day. I, uh, I, you may not know it about me, but I like, <clears throat> I like not all desserts, but I definitely like cake. And uh, sometimes, sometimes when I'm feeling weak later in the day, I'll go to the store and get a piece of cake. Okay. And um, I've I've found this may surprise you, it may surprise everyone, but I've found that Safeway has the best cake. Really? We have we have some gourmet grocery stores here, and. Uh, Lots of different kinds of gourmet grocery stores, and the cake is all crap. Safeway has the best cake, and Safeway realizes it has the best cake, and they've been cutting their slices thinner and thinner and thinner without reducing the price. But it's still the best cake. Anyway, the other day I was at— Do you just get one piece, or do you get the whole the whole cake? I, I just get the one piece. I pretend that I'm not going to eat a whole cake. I just want one piece at a time. The other day I was in the different part of town and there wasn't a Safeway and I went into a Fred Meyer and I spent about – Fred Meyer is a, is a store. Fred Meyer is a kind of um, – it's like a general store. But uh, they're large. There's that one part in the, in the Dead Kennedy song where the guy – Ray breaks his guitar string and he's telling the story about the, uh, the pickup truck. Mm-hmm. And throwing the rock and stuff. And he says, Fred Meyer in the, in the song, like it's a place like someone knows. You know the song I'm talking about? No, I don't know the song. I'm to look that up. But I do know about Fred Meyer, which um, it's always been, it was like a, I guess it, it fills the same role as a Walmart. You can go into a Fred Meyer and you can buy a lawnmower and you can get groceries and you can buy jeans and there's a big toy department, it, but somehow it's a somehow where I would never go into a Walmart. I routinely go into a Fred Meyer. I don't know why. I don't know. Well, there were there were always Fred Meyers uh, when I was growing up, and I never saw a Walmart until I was in my twenties, late twenties. Anyway, I went into a Fred Meyer and I spent twenty minutes looking at their bakery section. Uh, I couldn't believe how many baked desserts they had without right. a single one of them being a simple piece of chocolate cake like I wanted. And I, f- I was frustrated. I kept thinking that there was some other section of the, of the bakery section that I wasn't seeing because where is just the simple slice of chocolate cake? You know what I mean? I finally settled on this packet of package of mini donuts. <laughs> no, 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 not mini donuts, mini cupcakes, worse than mini donuts, mini cupcakes. And I walked out of there just feeling ashamed of myself. Like I took them up to the cash register and I was like, <laughs> I'm going to a kid's birthday party. I know it's 1130 at night, but I'm buying six mini cupcakes, <laughs> but they looked like the closest thing. You know, they yeah. looked like the closest thing that I was going to get what I wanted. And I got home and they were terrible. Uh. Did you wait to get home to try them or did you eat it right there? In yeah, the, I waited to get home because yeah. I didn't want to be a willpower. guy sitting in his truck at 1130 at night eating mini cupcakes in the parking lot. Because shopping for mini cupcakes at 1130 isn't, that's not 
I mean, that's Weird. bad, but like, go home, have some dignity, <laughs> eat them behind closed doors. When you get, when you pick up like a package or something, you're anticipating it showed up. Do you open it in the truck or do you wait till you get home to open it? I wait till I get home. Mm. I think that's wait just, I think home. that's just your MO. I come in, I put my keys down, I put, take my coat off, I go into the kitchen, I get a glass of water, I get the letter opener, I put it on the table, I go through the whole thing. I don't, I'm not like ripping open the packet out in the street. I'm, you know, no, I'm, you have to, you have to, you have to impart a little bit of dignity and grace to those little, to those events. Sure. The special opening of the, of the thing. (laughs) Anyway, so now I've got the, I've got high, so I ate three of these cupcakes, even though I, from the moment I bit into the first one, I was like, I should just throw these in the street. They're so bad. I should throw them in the street like as a gesture of contempt, not only for Fred Meyer, but for myself that I fell for this, you know, because that's the thing about like cake treats. Like if somebody has barbecue for sale, you can kind of look at it and go, is that going to be good or not? Uh, You know, you can get a sense if a hot dog is going to be good by looking at it. Right. Sure. But a cake, like a lot of times, the most beautiful cake is the most awful cake. Like it's, it's inversely proportionate. Well, because but it's you, the fr- it's all the fr- it's all about the frosting. You can't see what's is. going on underneath. You're absolutely right. It's all about the frosting. And these looked like they had delicious frosting, and then you get it, and it's just like, oh, it just tastes like Crisco. Ugh. It's a food color Crisco. Anyway, so I was, I oh just opened my fridge about five minutes before you called, and I looked in there, and there were these frosted cupcakes and I said and they've been there two weeks and I said maybe it's a situation where two weeks. a little bit of time in the fridge has like aged them to perfection <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just mad about it I'm just bitter yeah still a bad cupcake I'm gonna toss them I think it's been long enough yeah, yeah. I think I think if they were going to get good, they would have gotten. Yeah, good. yeah. You don't need to wait anymore. Dan, I have a question. Yes, uh, I have a question for you. I have a question about you. All right. This is something I've known you for a long time, but yeah. I, we've never covered this. Uh, we've never covered this, which is uh, I follow you on Instagram. Oh boy, I know where this and is going. At some point recently, it seems like your Instagram transitioned. Yeah, has taken a real turn. <laughs> And now has become one of those because I follow a couple of people that are that are members of the horological community, uh, and now you have become an Instagrammer who is basically just a member of the Vintage Seiko Watch Society. Yeah, so you're I, I of your watches all the time. Right, sure. My I guess my questions are: How many Seikos do you own? And are you a member of a online community of aficionados and do you see where do you see this hobby leading? Mm, nowhere good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the answer would be yes to all of those things. I used to first, post first question wasn't a yes or no question, but all right. I thought it was uh well, you said, how many do I own? And then you said, am I a member of a, a cult? And Right, but how many do you own can't be answered with the word yes. Yeah. It of just the Seikos? No. No. Or just the vintage I mean, Seikos. No, I want to hear the breakdown. I mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna follow up with that kind of like uh clarifying question, I want to hear the whole story. 
Okay. Let's go. Right. Let's hear the right. whole story. No, sure. Have you um, talked about this elsewhere? No, no, never. Is this your, is this your private it's secret my, uh, passion? Well, I mean, I'm putting it on Instagram, but it's not that secret. I only started putting this stuff on Instagram because I think I posted one or two photos and uh i actually got a response like unlike you you could post a photograph of a shoe in an alley you'll get 350 likes within an hour you know what i'm going to test that today i'm going to take a picture of a shoe in an alley i think you've done it already i mean it's gonna be a different shoe than the last one we'll see how many likes like but uh, you do you get a lot you get a lot and uh and i typically would get like eight eight likes Mm -hmm. for a photo and I don't have, I don't really have that many followers on Instagram. I'm looking right now to see. I've got about 3,000. So it's small, small following. No, that's bad. All the people that have 150 followers on Instagram are going, what are you talking about? A small following. Right. But there's people with 15 million and, you know, and I, I think you've got, you and I are equally yoked on Twitter, but I think on Instagram, I think you've got a bit more, but even even if you have less, you still get, would get more likes. And so I was used to not getting very many likes on anything. Unless I post a picture of my kids, which is very rare, anything else, I would not get very many likes. And I didn't care. That didn't bother me. I'm all right with that. Sure, sure. It doesn't sound like it bothered you at all. But I posted a photo of a watch and it got lots of like, got high, like a couple hundred. Whoa. And I said, okay, that's, that's interesting. So I'll do a little test. I'll try it again in a few days. Same thing. Uh, so I, I figured people must like the pictures of th- these watches that I have. Sure, you put a little bit of cocaine in a, into a joint, and then you're like, maybe I'll put a little more cocaine into the next. Is joint. that a thing? Uh, putting cocaine into a joint? Yeah, is that a wet daddy? <laughs> a wet daddy. Is it a wet daddy? Is it? Uh, Tell me, I I have terms in my head. I don't know what they mean. I just use yeah, them. Wet daddy. I'm gonna, I'm gonna start using wet daddy. You know what a wet daddy else. is? What is it? <laughs> now I gotta look it up. Uh, I have no daddy. idea what a wet, I've never called anything a wet daddy. I, I would not use the term wet daddy, even if that's what it was. Okay. I, I can share uh, this with you. Oh, it is a, a marijuana and cocaine. I see it. Oh, it, it says, well, this one that I found, it says it, if uh, a joint laced with PCP. Yeah. That's what I would have thought. That's yeah. what I would have. Is that, did you ever do the PCP? Uh, one time, the closest I ever came, there were two close encounters I had with PCP. One of them was, uh, a guy that I knew on PCP threw himself down the stairs. That's what I always hear. They're always jumping out of windows. They think they can fly. Well, he didn't think he could fly. He was just like losing his shit. But then another (sighs) time I was standing on the sidewalk of, uh, I'm standing on the sidewalk of Benson Boulevard in Anchorage, Alaska on a Friday night uh, during the strip, the, the, uh, cruising the strip. And this is a thing that young people I don't think can possibly understand. But but on Friday and Saturday nights, we used to cruise the strip. <laughs> and the strip in Anchorage, were, uh, there was Northern Lights Boulevard uh, went west and then Benson Boulevard went east. Both streets were four or five lanes wide and they were completely – I mean, it was stop and go traffic of hot rod cars, uh, like all the jacked up Chevy Novas and 1972 Camaros that Anchorage could produce, plus everybody else in their dad's car and all the little jalopies and hoopties and and uh, and Ford pickup trucks and everybody just going west on Northern Lights, and then they'd get to Spinard and they would turn left and then go east on Benson. 
and they would go down Benson until they got to, I mean, depending on where you wanted to, you could go all the way to the old Seward Highway, or you could turn it. I think a lot of us turned around at the Denny's there. Uh, and what the hell was that street right there by the Sears Mall? Anyway, tons and tons of kids all night long just cruising the strip, honking at each other, looking at each other. In the summertime, you would you could park your car on the side in any one of the parking lots with your lights on and sit there and watch people cruise. And then they, if they saw you and they liked you, they could come park next to you. Right. It was a big, big deal. I, cruising the strip in, in cities all across America, huge, huge deal. And it's gone. It's completely gone now. It was a, like, if you've ever seen the movie American Graffiti, I don't know if you cruised the strip, Dan, you might've been sitting at home playing with your Apple IIe. No, I never but, had an Apple II at home. Sorry. Well, I mean, it's a sore subject, but. I was I was throwing I was casting major aspersions at you. I did yeah. not realize that the one you would take personally was that you didn't have an Apple II. No, I mean I wish I had. Um, but uh, one time during uh the during a cruise, and I was not, I was not there in my own car. There were a couple. So one guy I knew that I worked with at a landscaping company managed to get his dad's brand new Corvette, and this is eighty five, right? So the Corvette, like a new Corvette, was pretty big deal. And he was out there that night. And then Lee McKay had his, Lee McKay had gotten a hold of some money and he bought a brand new Audi Quattro. He was out there in his Audi. And I don't remember who I was riding with. I think I was with Shannon Pursley in some kind of other thing. And, uh, and we're standing around smoking pot in a parking lot, watching the crews go by. And this like sketchy dude rolls up and he wasn't old, but he was, you know, clearly sketchy, but he was friendly. Like, Hey guys, what's going on? Hey, what's up, man? We were like, Hey buddy. Hey. And, um, you know, we were all pretty seasoned drug, uh, consumers at that point. And like, you know, standing on the side of the road, getting high, watching the crews go by. It was, a, I mean, Anchorage in 1985 was like anywhere else in 1975. So it, it felt like a scene from, um, almost famous. <laughs> And, and the guy's like, Hey, what are you guys smoking? You know, we were like, we got some smoking some weed and he was like, Oh shit, try some of mine. And he had this little one hit, but it was a weird looking little one hit pipe. Kind of a strange, it looked, it looked strange. Like a, like some, like it, it wasn't big enough to be an apparatus, but it kind of had an apparatus vibe to it. And <laughs> so he hit, <laughs> what does that mean? Well, it just seemed like what's going on inside that little tube? Like it doesn't just look like a tube. It's got, I don't know. It was, it was a weird little unit. You know, if you've seen a lot of like little drug units, you know, the ones that are weird compared to the ones that are normal. And it's not a thing that looked handmade or, or, or if it did, I don't, I don't know. It looked like, who knows? I don't, it's, it was a long time ago. I don't remember what it looked like, frankly, but I knew it was a weird thing. And there were five or six of us there and he handed it to a buddy of mine and it was just a situation of like, Hey, try my stuff. And he passed it to, um, to basically the guy that was standing closest to him. And there we were all standing in a half circle. So it was just coincidence who happened to be standing there. Pal of mine. He was like, Oh, all right. And it's sort of, you know, at that point you're passing your little pipes around. You know, it's rude to say like, what's in it. Cause the implication was that it had some weed in it. And you know, I mean, this was before, I don't know, it was before, it was before that you would think that somebody's like 
walking around with like face eating drugs in a thing. Right. And so he took a hit of it and then he was like, whoa, my, and my friend, uh, reeled back and he was like, what the fuck is that? And the guy was like, grabbed his thing and just started to hustle away. And my friend was like, that was some, that was, (laughs) that was some weird shit. And we were yelling after him like, fuck you, man. And he was like, just like scooting off kind of like crab walking off like a, he was really sketchy. And then we all kind of circled around my buddy and we're like, what is it? What's going on? And he was like, oh man, I don't know. That was, whatever that was, it was wrong. Hmm. And then we kind of like watched him real carefully for a while. And he had, he had various like reports. He had reports from the other side, but nothing bad happened. It's not like he, it's not like he, he just took a tiny little hit of this thing. Right. But it was, um, we all concluded that it was PCP because, you know, again, like we weren't, we weren't virgins at that point. Right. Sure. Like it had been, and, 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 and the, the friend that I'm referring to was even more sophisticated maybe than the rest of us. I mean, he was the one that was like, yeah, I'll try your pipe. But it was, uh, but he was like, this is a negative, this, this, uh, this, uh, this event is a negative experience. I was like, hmm, curious. But no, I had never, uh, PCP was not, uh, it, it was not enticing to me. No, no, there was that one, um, there was some movie about it where the girl, it was like a high school kids doing things. And uh, the girl was the same. I think the woman who eventually went to be in that uh, sitcom where she was married to the guy who was the bad guy in Aliens, the corporate corporate stooge guy in Aliens. He's a comedian. Yeah. Her husband and wife. She's blonde. Yeah. And she was in this movie and she like flung, did PCP, flung herself out the window. Yikes. In real life or in the movie? In the movie. I don't know. Oh, I see. In the movie. In real life, she's doing just fine. Um, that so always made I'm, me too too nervous. I was always hearing stories like that. Anytime I get close to trying anything more than, uh, than than marijuana, I always got spooked by it. And I call it marijuana because I used to call it pot, and I'm told that's that's not the right term anymore. It's weed. But I feel like the people who called it weed where I grew up were all surfers, and I couldn't throw in with them. Yeah. Uh, what I'm reading here now is a wet daddy is a cigarette or a joint dipped in embalming fluid. (laughs) Wow. Uh, formaldehyde. Okay. Right. And apparently this is something, I mean, I did not realize that Dan Benjamin was going to introduce me to a new drug. So really, I I mean, who knew, who knew, but apparently smoking formaldehyde Uh will give you some weird, uh, some kind of weird high. I don't know it. So, so a primo is marijuana and cocaine, uh, in a, uh, like cocaine in a cigarette or yeah. in a joint, but no formaldehyde. Okay. And a wet daddy is marijuana and formaldehyde, no cocaine. Right. Um, so I always, we always, the way that we consume cocaine in that fashion was you dip the tip of your cigarette, your camel in a little bit of cocaine, get it there on the, you know, sort of just pick it up. I'm talking about your unlit cigarette, kind of dip it in cocaine and then hit it with the, 
with the lighter and as the cigarette lights up, you know, at the, at the top, you are also getting this like cocaine hit. Okay. That, but that's called a snow cap. Snow if I recall, okay. or if you put cocaine on the top of your weed in your little weed pipe and hit it with the lighter, you know, you get that like, Whoa, and that would be a snow cap also. Wow. But wet daddy boy, you're coming at me with some weird Florida. Yeah. That, I mean, that must've been a pop. No, I think that's all Florida there. Yeah, the embalming so. fluid just reeks of Florida to me. Yeah. Why, how would you even get, I mean, I guess formaldehyde, you get it at like, can you go to the drugstore and get a thing of formaldehyde in case you're like preserving frogs at home or something? No, I don't think so. I think that's something you've got to get through channels. Huh. I don't know who has that sitting around, but I figured there's, it's like the mortuary or whatever. It's a slow night. A couple like late teenagers kind of show up and they're like, Hey, you know, we want to get a little of this stuff. And he's like, all right, here's, you know, here's a jar. Here's a, a jar of formaldehyde. <laughs> formaldehyde i'm just trying to think maybe i bet you anything you could order that through one of those like high school we're dissecting frogs kind of thing oh for sure for sure they just have it in the well forget that they have it in the in the high schools in the biology classrooms that's where they get that's where they're getting it the high school yep i cannot as speaking as a man who has smoked peanut skins i cannot (laughs) imagine the first person that dipped a joint in formaldehyde and was like, hmm, let's try this. Like that just seems. I think it's like the drug culture. And, you, you know, again, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the drug culture at certain points begins to mirror sort of, you know, how in China they eat, they only have one rule in China. Is this right? One in rule. all of China, there's just one rule. And it is, you don't eat it if it, unless its back is to the sun. Don't eat it unless its back is to the sun. Right. So think of it like the that. Chinese rule. They call only it. eat. Yeah. Only eat animals. Mm-hmm. If their back is to the sun. So here's an example of what they could eat. Could you eat a cow? Yes. Back is to the sun. It's back is to the sun. Could you eat a cat? Yes. Back is to the sun. Could you eat a bear? No, because a bear can rear, rear up on its hind feet. So you can't eat a back. It's normal. Then it's like a human's back. You can't eat a bear. No. So you can't eat a bear. What about if a cat sits, what if it's one of those trained cats that sits back on its tail? I, I don't, then you don't eat that cat, but I think cats overall, <laughs> I think it's not a natural behavior for a cat to be up on two legs. I had a cat or I had a friend who had one of those hairless cats. Oh, really? And we were hanging out at his house one day and uh, the cat liked to chase a ping pong ball. And I was uh, throwing the ping pong ball for the cat and I bounced the ping pong ball just exactly right. So that the cat sat back on his butt caught the ping pong ball no between way. his two front balls <laughs> oh and then God. just stood there. That's amazing. And we were sitting on the couch like, <gasps> and so, oh, and the cat, the cat fetched. That was the thing. The cat would catch the ping pong ball and then bring you the ping pong ball. And so this cat, and he just sat. How would it bring it caught. in its mouth? Maybe he would pat it back to you. I don't remember. This was a long time ago. And this was back in a life. This is back in a life that I led previously where I hung out at people's apartments, A, which I don't do anymore. I don't hang out in somebody's apartment, sitting on a couch with somebody in their own apartment, just hanging out. I haven't done that in a long time. Uh, What's wrong with with an apartment, though? Well, I just don't do it. It's just not not a thing that I one day consciously said. What if I'm moved to Seattle and I get and I'm 
I start out by renting an apartment. I'm like, John, come over. You're like, no, can't do it. Well, it wouldn't be that. It would be like, come over for what? And you'd say, come over. I mean, if you generally, you would say, come over and a get me, or come over and b drop that thing off that you're dropping off, or c come pick up that thing. Those are the reasons that I go to somebody's house now. I don't go like, hey, come on over and sit on the couch with me. Uh, why? I mean, I don't. We're not going to sit and watch TV together. We're not going to, you know, I don't sit around smoking pot anymore. Right. That's a big part of it. Like, come sit on the couch and drink beer and smoke pot. Or even just sit and smoke cigarettes and talk about our band. I, so I don't do that. And I don't hang out generally with people that have hairless cats anymore. That mm-hmm. was a, that you know, there was a time in my life where everybody I knew had a weird pet. Right. Some kind of yellow snake or some sort of bird that, uh, that ha- had like a neurotic complex or a tarantula. Uh, and three, I'm not generally in a, in a position anymore where something will happen and I will go, whoa, right? Like if I threw a ping pong ball to a hairless cat right now and the cat sat back and caught it in its hands, right? I would go, ha ha, huh. Right. I wouldn't go, whoa, right. But this, so anyway, this was long enough ago that I don't remember how the cat fetched exactly, but the cat did fetch. And so I threw the ping pong ball again, again, perfect bounce, one bounce, doing, and the cat sat back on its butt and caught the ping pong ball. And my friend and I both looked at each other and he was like, we're going to be rich. Like, it just seemed like this is incredible. This is like the stupid pet trick we've been waiting for. We just real, we just discovered that this cat has this genius talent to catch ping pong balls. And so we sat throwing this ping pong ball, pink, the cat would, and he just, the cat thought it was great too. I mean, he had to, he kept doing it. So by the end of the afternoon, I mean, I thought this was a, this was enough of a surprise that this was kind of an advertisement to get a hairless cat for yourself. Like if this is a thing they can do, but from the moment I left the apartment, the my friend who owned this cat said the cat never did it again. Weird. And I came back to I came back to test the theory and sat and threw the ping pong ball to the cat and it just it bounced off the cat's head. The cat the cat liked the game for one afternoon and then either said, I'm not your monkey, or said, I don't remember because I'm a dumb cat and I don't remember things from yesterday. Or something else, you know, maybe for that one day, the cat was inhabited by a, by the spirit of radio. <laughs> like, I don't know, but never happened again. Cat became once again, a useless cat, but this cat you wouldn't eat, right? No. His back, his back, it was not to the sun. He nope. was showing you his soft white underbelly. Yep. What are some other animals that you couldn't eat because of this? Uh, can't eat a bear. You can't eat a bear. Can't eat a... This is the Chinese rule, right? There this has is the to Chinese rule. I know it's more than a bear. I think there are some other things. It has to be more than a bear. You wouldn't eat a gorilla. Yeah, you can't You can't eat a gorilla because they can get up on their hind feet easily. Yeah. Um, so it's a hind feet thing? Yeah, the walking around. If they can basically like stand up and walk around, you can eat a snake, no problem. Mm-hmm. Uh 
Um, Anything like well, that, it's fine. I'm going to have to research that. I'm going to have to research yeah, that. Yeah, dig in. It seems like there are a lot of things that can briefly stand on their back legs, if that's the criteria. I think they just have to be able to do it naturally. I think it has to come naturally to them. Back? Back, it's, it's just a weird way of describing it. This is what my friend said over there. I see. You can't eat a person because they're well, upright. You can. Not not in China. Well, you could. What if you were what if you went over the, the Chinese equivalent of the Donner Pass and got snowed in? Well. Stuck there all winter. Bears are not kosher, I'm learning. I would I would imagine not. Uh all predatory terrestrial animals are forbidden in Islam. Uh right. you cannot eat a bat in, in Judaism. I would not recommend eating a bat. But in Indonesia, so the, a bat meat is known to be a prized delicacy, it says here. I'll put this in the in show Indonesia. notes. Well, there are not a lot of people keeping kosher in Indonesia. You can't eat a camel. No one will eat a camel? Well, they're forbidden in a lot of, a lot of places. Yeah. Because they, they do, they're unclean animals for a lot of religions consider them unclean. Because they, they chew, they, they have the cloven hooves, they chew their cud, they regurgitate. Yeah. And. Uh, they have multiple stomachs? Do they have multiple stomachs? But those things I think are okay. But yeah. it has a cloven hoof, so that's why you can't have that. You can't eat those. Whew. Get that cloven hoof in there. I don't know and what then, the big deal of that was. Well, well you, it's just right away. You just, you know, devil inside, devil inside, every single one of us, the devil yeah, inside. Yeah, I guess so. It's creepy. Um. You know, I won't eat olives. That's part of my religion. Yeah, olives, potatoes. Olives, potatoes. What you did is you just said, what's the most common food over the whole Western world? Potatoes. I'm not eating that just to be difficult. Well, no, because it's my religion. Well, what are you going to do? I you respect you. Like, you can't throw shade on my religion. No, I'm not. Eat a potato. Come on. It's just bad as eating a camel. The, the potato <laughs> is the camel of American uh, nightshade. Yeah, that's right. Blobs. Uh, the nightshade family. Our first sponsor today is Blue Apron, the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country. I just got my Blue Apron order for this week yesterday. And what's fun about this is you never really know exactly what you're going to get. We got, I got some uh, salmon. I got some cool ground pork stuff that I'm going to be making. I don't even know what I'm going to be making, but I, what I do know is that the ingredients are going to be awesome. They're going to be fresh. They're going to be exactly what I need to make these meals. I'm not going to have any waste. And, uh, and it's going to be straightforward enough for me to do. I'm not a chef. I'm not like, I wouldn't even really consider myself like a cook. I don't even know what I'm doing, except I just follow the instructions. And they send these great little recipe cards and they show you a picture of exactly what this thing is going to turn out looking like. And it actually looks the way that you expect it to, to look. It looks just like the picture and it tastes great. Like I haven't had a bad one of these recipes so far, which is saying a lot. And they've got partnerships with uh, all these local farms and fisheries and ranchers across the U.S. So the seafood is like sustainable. The beef, the chicken, the pork come from responsibly raised animals. The produce is from farms that do regenerative farming. Uh, and it's just great. 
I mean, it really is great. And again, like you're reducing food waste and that's huge. You know how much you're going to make and it's going to be less than $10 per person for a delicious meal. They've got tons of meals and they, they, uh, you can go to the website and you can see what the meals are and what's upcoming. It's super affordable, great variety. And, uh, I really like the whole experience because it adds so again, it's like, how often you're like, well, I guess I'll, you know, make a hot dog again because that's all I can think of to have for dinner. Well, no, this changes that. And there's a special URL that you can go to if you want to try this out. If you go to the URL and sign up, you will get three meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash roadwork. Again, blueapron.com slash roadwork. You will know what it is to be a master chef in your own home. You're going to love it, though. Seriously, it feels great. It tastes great to make your own meal at home and have it turn out awesome. Blueapron.com slash roadwork. Three meals free with free shipping. I had always been, uh, John, into watches ever since I was a little kid. And I... Did you have a digital watch? I started out... My the first watch that I ever owned was a gift. It was a hand me down, and if you remember, the, do you remember the days when Casio sort of came out with the beautiful digital display? Before that, do you remember the LED display watches that were before that? Oh yeah, I had one, and if you took them out in the sun, couldn't see it. They were well, not only that, but they were ruined forever. <laughs> If you wore it out in the sun for like 10 minutes and I had one, someone bought me one. What are you talking I wore about? It out in the sun for, for 10 minutes and it was, it was something about the LEDs, like it burned in the sun and then it didn't work anymore. That's weird. It was weird. It was a super bummer because I had the coolest watch in the world for about two days and then I took it out in the sun one time and uh, ruined forever. I mean, I'm mm. telling you, ruined forever. But anyway... Did you have one of those LED watches? I had one that uh, that was a – you would have to hold down a button. It was not ruined in the sunlight, but you would have to hold down a little button to get it to display because displaying a bright red LED would take too much power to have on all the time. So you had to hold down a little button uh, to, to make it display. And I just okay. thought this was the coolest thing in the whole world. I loved that watch. Eventually it did stop working, but I kept wearing it anyway. And when I was a little bit older, I remember uh, having, you know, I just like different watches when I was a kid. I never had a kid watch. I always had like a regular watch. Like I never had like a Batman watch like they have now. And I remember when I was a little bit older, maybe I was about six or seven years old. Um, it was in the morning and we were visiting Florida before we lived there. And my grandfather, uh, it was the more, I remember he was, he was shaking his watch gently back and forth. Like he was dealing a deck of cards. And I said, well, what are you doing? He said, well, I'm winding the watch. And I said, well, don't you just turn the little, uh, the little, I probably didn't know it was called a crown, but I probably said the little thing on the side. And he said, this is a different kind of watch. This is an automatic watch. And I said, what's that? An automatic watch. And he said, this watch is different. You never, you don't ever really need to wind it. It's wound mm. by motion, by just wearing it. I haven't worn this one for a while, so I'm shaking it to get it started. He said, but if you wear it every day, you never need to wind it, and it never needs a battery. 
I drive watches that shift themselves. My watch shifts itself. (laughs) It's not one of those shifter watches. That's right. And my head just about exploded. I couldn't believe it. And uh, I thought it was the coolest thing. And and really, ever since then, I've kind of been into, into watches as something that was like a peripheral hobby slash interest for me. And, you know, what I could afford on my own when I was a kid was pretty much I could, I could afford a, you know, like a Casio watch. So I had the generic Casio watches until I was a little bit older. I think in junior high school or high school, my grandfather gave me a Bulova watch. Uh, I still have it. And it is an automatic, and it still runs. It still runs. It probably could use a service, but it runs and it keeps great time. And of course, the the style at the time back then, watches were much, much smaller than they are now. And looking at the size of this watch compared to, which was probably a late 50s, early 60s Bulova, um, it's just, it's too tiny to, to for me to, to wear seriously now. So I've... My son will get it soon enough. Um, really? So you have a feeling that a big watch is a watch and a little watch is a girl watch or a kid watch? Kid watch. Um, just based on the current trends and styles, which really started to change in, even in the 70s. Most of the watches that I own are from the 70s. Yeah. And, uh, and I, love, I love those watches. Um, Seiko had just some of the coolest, most awesome designs. And they're, they're getting more and more expensive now to get them. But I'm friends with a guy who uh, who is a watchsmith specializing in like you know fixing up old vintage Seikos, and so I get I get them from him from time to time, and I've collected some over the years, and uh, and I've got a, I've got a whole bunch of them because some of them are they're very very affordable to get. I'm not talking like twenty bucks, but a, you know a couple hundred bucks you can get some of them, and uh, and so I really enjoy these things, and there are certain ones that are very fun to to try and find and try and find a good condition and collect in different ways and uh you know you you might get one and say okay this one is is really cool but like it's missing its original bracelet so you, then you got to like hang out on eBay until you see somebody who's selling the same watch but it's all beat up and 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 crummy and doesn't run and they're selling it for parts but the bracelet's there and then you okay cool I'll, I'll buy that but you really only want the bracelet you know and there's fun stuff oh. like that. It's like a little, it's like, you know, like you with your looking at your cars, except these are, are really like affordable, fun things that you sure, can get. Things and, that you can get. You know, and you wear a different one every day and it's, it's fun. You have a lot of fun. I have a lot of fun with it. Uh, okay. So let's get to, let's get to the nitty gritty. How many Seiko watches do you have? Seiko watches or vintage Seiko watches? Hmm. Well, let's start with vintage Seiko watches. Let me think. Um... Mm-hmm. Um, I guess, no, I just gotta, I mean, I'll edit all this out later. Let's say somewhere between, eight or nine, maybe 10, eight, something, somewhere between seven and 12. Mm-hmm. I would have to it look at them all. I mean, well, I'm trying seven, to, I'm, you're rushing me and I, I don't like to be rushed. Between seven and 12. So, yeah. I would have to five, sit down and make that's a, list. a That's a, a margin of error of five. Yeah. Yeah. Between seven. I and mean, 12. If, uh, the next time you tell the story or something, I'll, I'll make a little list and I'll tell you what I've got. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's vintage. Those are the only, those are only limited to the seventies Seikos. 
Right, right. But and so we cannot determine within a plus or minus. I can just tell tell another story, and I'll I'll make a little list. I'll add them up. Well, now wait a minute. How many Seikos do you have that are not from the seventies? That are not vintage Seikos? Four. Okay, you knew that one. Yes. How many watches do you have that are not in the Seiko family? Oh. Uh, I'm going to have to make a list. I'll have to make a list. I'll tell tell a story and I'll make a list. Or we can pause it and I'll I'll count them up. Oh, I don't think we should pause it, dude. Right. This is all part of the I you know, I don't want to put pressure on Let's you. just all throw out I'll say 4 4 or 5. 4 or 5. It's it's strange to me that a that a collector I've got less than 30 total. I've got yeah, more right, like 20 something are, total. You are collecting them and you know them all and yet but I don't have like a photographic image of every single one of them. And also when you say that, like, I know that there is a Casio that I've got that I got for 12 bucks at Target one time because I was on a trip and I didn't have a watch and I needed one. And right. I swung by the Target and picked it up and it's in the second uh-huh. drawer of the night table. But that counts. Like if you want an accurate answer, so like I've got a. I've got to figure that out. I've got a, a couple Timex watches that are sort of little beater watches. I don't, should I count those? They're not in the watch case, but yeah, you, maybe know, I count, you know what I'm saying? So do you have a swatch? No. Did you ever have a swatch? Yes. Many in the, in the eighties. I had many, many, my favorite one was one. It was a really cool black one. And I had one yeah, with I a had red a black strap one with a white face that just looked like a normal watch. Yeah. Except it was a swatch. But I love uh, John, I love watches. Watches are as I'm talking. When I talk about watches, we've got to break it down for those who don't understand that there are two kinds of, of watches, generally speaking, there are automatic watches, mechanical watches, and there are uh, quartz. Most people, when they think of a watch, if you look, if you look at a watch, if, if it's, let's just say, first of all, excluding digital from this conversation for now and excluding the Apple watch entirely, which I've owned two of those. I gave one away to my mom as, as a gift because I didn't like it. And I returned the second one after I had it for about a week. Oh, an Apple Watch to me looks like a small dead iPhone on somebody's wrist. That's what oh, an Apple wow. Watch looks like. Ooh, small dead iPhone. Ooh. Take your iPhone. Take Ouch. your iPhone. Set it on the yeah. table. Turn it off. Yeah. Shrink it down. And now that's strapped to somebody's wrist. These things are never on. There's nothing interesting about that. When I see somebody with an Apple Watch, I think to myself, this person is more interested in notifications than they are in men. John, we have so few accoutrements available to us. Well, it's true. It's true. Those of us that don't have piercings. If you don't have piercings, then that's a big segment that's, that's out. You've got your other choices. If you're lucky enough, if you're smart and lucky enough and attractive enough to need glasses, you've got glasses. You can make a statement with those. If you're, if you're a dandy, you can mm-hmm. put on a nice tie. You could do a, you know, something fancy with a lapel and you know a, a pocket yeah. square and you can wear a hat. You can definitely wear a hat. You can carry a saber, but that's very unusual. Yeah. So what yeah. have we really got? We've we've fancy got boots. we've got watches. Yeah, you can get the cool cool boots. We so you can watches. Be one of those guys that wears like cool like rings and shit, but yeah. I've never been able to pull that off. See, but that's the thing is like you can wear a watch and it's not. Oh, <laughs> do you see him wearing a watch? How weird is that? Mm-hmm. Whereas if you show up in like a pink tuxedo, like yeah, that's that's a little off. But no one's gonna be like oh, that guy with the watches. 
Even let me he's... let me ask you this, Dan. If I came over to your house with a Seiko seventy Seiko watch mm-hmm. that you did not own, yes, I would. And I subtly switched it with a watch that you do. Oh, own. I thought you were going to say what I offer to buy it. Oh. <laughs> No, although I posted a picture of a of a Rhodes piano on the internet the other day, and my brother was like, "I'll buy that from you on the internet." And I said, "You have my phone number. If you if you saw it, <laughs> right. if you saw it on the internet, you could also call me and say and make a legitimate offer, and not just post like a comment on Facebook." Right. I'll buy that from you. Like, I don't feel that that's a sincere offer. Yeah. But if I switched out one of your Seiko, I would absolutely a, know in, instantly. Yes, of course. You, You'd say, what the hell? What did, when did my Seiko turn into that Seiko? Yes, of course. I would know immediately, but you wouldn't, you would have to break the case open to get it. It's locked. Oh, you have a locked? Of course. Watch. I have kids. But your Seikos are like w- worth 50 to $150? No, I was saying not 50 bucks. There's some in there that could be worth a couple hundred. There's some in there that could be worth many hundred. Really? Yeah, uh, because depending on depending on the age, on how well they are restored, if they have their original uh, bracelet or not, um, you know, the, if whether they're JDM, which is Japanese domestic market, because many of them were only available in Japan, and they've got the kanji uh, dates on them and uh, and things like that 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 make them more collectible and more fun to to collect. Like the one I posted a picture of today, both of them actually are the JDM version. So it's you know that makes them more interesting. Well, Dan, I have to say this whole thing makes you more interesting because it's a weird little collector thing I didn't it's realize only, you had. They're the only things I own that bring me any kind of interest or, or joy. Nothing else that I own matters to me. Nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if there was a fire in your house, you would grab your kids, you'd shove them out the door, and then would you go back for your watch case? Yeah, yeah, probably would. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Probably. Oh, I got two of them, so one under each arm. You know. Uh huh. I'm trying uh-huh. to make this list. So, do you have a dream Seiko that you that's just out of your reach, or that you're just waiting to? It hardly ever comes, and you know it's there, but yep. you're. Yeah, I uh-huh. sure do. Describe it. Uh, well, the, it's it's unfortunately it's the uh uh the. Hey, are you sure you want to say this? Because you're gonna like send all these listeners they're going to be out there now prowling for for it too no i mean this is everyone is already prowling for it it's um it's it's the stereotypical seiko panda dial it's a 61 38 80 20 oh yeah 61 38 80 20 if you should have just said that it has uh the vertical uh okay so it has two sub dials on it it has a, a white dial and the two sub dials are sort of a darker almost black color and they're vertical one on at the at the 12 o'clock one at the six o'clock and it's they're super it's it's super hard to find uh and uh and everyone wants one of these things but they're just they're skyrocketing in price because they're so desirable and everyone loves them but i have i mean the the ones that i have are really really cool and really fun and really were were kind of hard to come by as well uh-huh. and uh-huh. uh and so you know i've got a, i've got a birth year 1972 6139 chronograph which is awesome you want a birth year this is the first thing you must know if you're well, gonna is get that it right? is that right yeah you gotta get a birth year one a birth year yeah you've got to well if you're born in the 70s but what if you're born in 1984 well i mean you still you want a birth year 
Yeah, but then you got to go f- for a diver because nothing Sega wasn't doing very cool stuff in the 80s except for their automatic divers. You you broke off my uh, automatic uh versus um quartz. If you look at a watch and it's stopped. It's nothing nothing's happening. No. There's a good chance that that's an automatic watch because mm. when they wind down, they stop moving until you pick them up and wind them or shake them. Mm. Uh Quartz, though, if you ever see a watch is ticking, tick, 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 one tick per second. Yeah. That's quartz. That's the, that's the general rule. That's quartz. But it's not the general rule, actually. Uh, automatic watches tick many times per second. And some cases, a high beat will tick many, 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 many times per second. So it almost looks like the second hand is sweeping as opposed to ticking. I see. You, you would know what I'm talking about if you saw it. And that's, that's an automatic watch. That's a watch uh, that... See. That uh, that does not take a battery. Quartz are more no. much more accurate, though. Quartz watch will be plus or minus a few seconds a month, or maybe even a year. Whereas an automatic watch can be plus or minus four, five, six seconds a, a day. Right. That's why you and your fellow commandos synchronize your watches before right. you go over the side. That's right. At the at, at my signal, the time will be exactly six oh four p.m. Right. Boom. Yeah. Um. And so I, you know, what I admire about this is that you are collecting a thing which is affordable. Like the entry, the entry point for collecting Seiko watches is manageable. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have to, it's not like collecting Ferrari. (laughs) Definitely Um, not. And you don't have to put them anywhere. And it's not like collecting Rolexes Mm -hmm. where they're $6,000 to, to own one. Um, I, you know, I admire this. I think that this is, I would love to show you the the whole collection when you're, when you're here in Austin. This is a stunning hobby. I think a perfect, a perfect example of a, of a fun hobby that, um, that you can get weirdly obsessed with. Very obsessed. Yeah. It's not ever gonna, it's not going to be a pro it's not, you're not going to fail to make your mortgage payment. Nope. Uh, mm -hmm, that's, uh, you know, like I think very sensible and, uh, and it allows you to be a little flash. Yeah. And it gives you something to put on Instagram that gets you some likes. So win, 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 win. And I got, I get more feedback from people in general about, oh, wow, you know, where, and then we get little conversations. Where did you get this? How do I get one? Was it expensive? You know, what is this, is this one available? Or, you know, it, you get into these really cool conversations with people who are just kind of discovering that like, oh, these things exist. That's so cool. You know? And, um, so a conversation starts conversation starter. Sure. Come on, get out of Dodge. Like I feel, I, I Wait, mean, what kind I of watch think... do you wear, John? Well, let's see. You I got a dead some... iPhone on your wrist. Uh, I do not. Okay. I do not. And I, I, people have show obviously, you know, because I live in an, I live in the world that I live in. Uh, a lot of people have put eye watches under my nose and mm-hmm. said, but look, but look, but look, look what it does. Look what it does. And I go, I don't like notifications. Right. That's the number one thing I don't like. I do not want to be notified when somebody posts a thing or sends a thing to me. You know, like at the end of the day, I'll go and look at everything and see if somebody has said hello. But otherwise, no, thank you. And I don't really have appointments. I don't want my calendar to beep at me either. I don't want anything telling me anything. Basically, the watches I have are um, I inherited a 1950s Omega Constellation. Beautiful watch. So very nice. I'm proud of it. Uh, so, I mean, that's fa- that's a that is a classic, amazing watch. Is it in good condition? Is it running? Do you wear it? It's in very good condition. It is running, and I 
do wear it, but it's <sighs> but I don't wear it daily. You Such know, I don't a great wear watch it though. Typically, it's it's a nice watch. It's a way of uh, it's a way of dressing up a thing. As you say, it's a little bit of flair. My father had a um, a ball watch, which is an American brand, and they typically made watches for uh, railroad people. It was like the station master timepiece, uh, the where the guy in the the guy at the little depot would stand out there and look at his watch and wait for the train. And my dad got that ball watch when he worked for the railroad. So he had that on his wrist for the whole time he worked at the railroad. Uh, he also had uh, a gold pocket watch that that literally had a locomotive on the front of it. Because if you're a real station master, you stand out there, pull a watch out of your vest pocket and look at it. Wonder why that was. And, and, and then nod approvingly when you hear the, the steam whistle from over the horizon and you know that the train's on time. Uh, he had one of those. And then he had a Seiko but it was an eighties Seiko that was kind of a thin line gold mm. faced square. Oh yeah. Those could be Seiko. pretty cool. Did it have a Roman numerals, white face with black Roman numerals? I believe it had Roman numerals, yeah, but I, I know the one you're it, talking about, but I think it had a gold face. Yeah. Oh, a gold face, not a gold around it, but gold face. Interesting. No, it was a gold case, gold face. Wow. And during that era, so there's a famous story where my dad, you know, my dad's best friend was black and they used to travel together. He was a, he was a, a small guy and my dad was a big guy and they met in law school in 1946 and they were best friends the rest of their lives. And when my dad, when my dad retired and when he finally left Alaska, he moved to Tacoma just to be close to this guy. Uh, and the two of them would meet every day. They would go to a Chinese restaurant and they would sit and argue about who did more to win World War II. Neither one of them did a goddamn thing to win World War II, but that's what they chose to argue about. <laughs> and, they, and they would sit and argue about the law and they would, and then they would each tell stories uh, about their heroics, their heroic adventures. And then while, while one of them was telling a story, the other one would be sitting there going, what? That's bullshit. You didn't even, you know, what? You never even knew her. Or something, something, something. Right. And they both were very political, politically active throughout the 60s and 70s. So they all knew all the famous guys, you know. Um, and they all had some some story about Martin Luther King or Scoop Jackson or Satyacum or somebody. They all were – that was their whole game. And they had a large group of similar old crotchety guys. And they were uh, – it was a very like a very multiracial group. And especially multiracial, given that they were all in their 80s, right? And they'd been all friends since the 40s. But they were in Hawaii one time in the 1970s, uh, my dad and his friend. And his friend, my, my dad's best friend was named Jack Tanner. And, uh, and Tanner has given me a lot or had given me a lot of unsolicited advice about my own life for many, many years. Mm -hmm where I would sit down at the table and he would say, what the hell are you doing these days? And I would start to talk and he would go wrong. And then he <laughs> a bunch of unsolicited advice. Uh, anyway, they were in Hawaii and they walked into a fancy store. 
I have no idea why they ran a fancy store. Uh, Jack Tanner was fancier than my dad. He was a, he was a federal judge and he had as his chair behind his judicial bench, he had custom made a chair out of a Recaro sports car seat, like a, like a formed, a form fitted race car chair by Recaro that was on a swivel base that was his judicial chair. Like this is the kind of, this is the kind of character he was. Can you imagine walking into a case, a courtroom where your life is like hanging in the balance and the judge has got, and you, before the judge even enters the room, you're up there and you're like, that's a, that's a chair. That's a seat from like a rally car. What the hell am I looking at? Right. Total kook. Anyway, so he's fancy. My dad is was never fancy. He had no he my dad would buy five shitty things rather than buy one nice things. That was always his mm. MO. But so they walk into a, a fancy store and the salesman, who's like one of these <clears throat> type salesmen, right? He walks over immediately to Tanner and says, Hello, sir. Welcome to the store. How may I help you? And Tanner says, well, I want to, I want to see one of these. And the guy goes, oh yes, of course. It completely ignores my dad, just ignores him. And so my dad's a little offended, right? And the guy comes and he interacts with Tanner and he gets in, does the transaction completely with, with the judge and never looks or talks to my dad in the entire time. And so when they get back out on the street, my dad says, Hey, what the, you know, what the fuck was that? Like I walk into a store, you're the black guy but he comes over and treats you like a prince and, uh, and I'm just like, uh, nothing. And Tanner goes, he holds his wrist up and he's like, Rolex, David, I have a Rolex. The guy knows which one of us is fancy. And my dad was like, I didn't even realize Mm -hmm. that the guy that we walk into the store and the salesman sees the watch yep. and knows which one is fancy. Knows oh, yeah. which guy is fancy. Oh, yeah. Says, oh yeah, the the tall uh the tall white guy, not really he's not really in this he's not in the league. He's not in the game. He's wearing a he's wearing a railroad uh station master's watch. Jack Tanner's got a gold gold Rolex. It's it's so, you're absolutely right. And I see that all the time with depending on what watch I wear, I get a totally different response at, at a lot of places. That's it's, fascinating. It's very fascinating and it's very weird. I have a, my most expensive watch is, uh, is a new, uh, or, you know, new, it's not brand new, but I mean, it's, it's not a vintage, uh, Omega, mm-hmm. uh, Seamaster. And mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. was, uh, you know, like most famously it would be known as the a James Bond watch from a few years ago. The original James Bond watch is the, a Rolex, uh, sub Mariner sub no date, they call it. Um, but this was sort of the newer generation of, of bond watches, right, um, new generation of bond watches. But see, I've never, I don't own a Rolex. I've never owned a Rolex. And, uh, we, I was kind of raised in the Omega family. Um, the other, the other watch that my granddad left for me was a, a, a late 50s Seamaster, Omega Seamaster. And he loved the Seamasters. And so I was kind of, I was kind of like an Omega guy as opposed to a Rolex guy. But when I, um, I finally, you know, got, I, I, and this is a nice watch like that people will recognize it as being like a nice expensive watch. Um, even though you could spend way more on a vintage Seiko if you wanted to, 
um, that watch, like in, in certain places where people understand what it is, they will absolutely treat you different. Maybe they think you're going to get a bigger tip or maybe they think you're going to spend more because you've got an, they don't know. Well, this is fascinating because I do not notice these things. And I know also that people notice wedding rings and I have never noticed a wedding ring in my whole life. It, it, I don't think that I was, maybe I didn't come up in a culture or something where I, where I was taught to notice wedding rings, but like I'll be talking to somebody and I'll go, Oh, well that person just said something, something, something. And the person I'm with will go, well, yeah, that didn't you see their wedding ring or not even didn't you see, but they, they expect that I saw their wedding ring and then I'm acting intentionally difficult by pretending to not know that they're married and therefore not being able to contextualize the thing, the oh, event, right? Right, right? Where I'm like, why did they behave that way? And they're like, wedding ring. I'm like, oh, I didn't. And, and so the idea that obviously a wedding ring is that is a symbol um, but that other people are looking at one another closely enough that they are noticing how, what kind of watch they're wearing, that they have a wedding ring on. Like, I'm just not seeing those things. I, I look, guess I look looking, at everything. I look at everything and I'm not no, using I'm it. I'm not using their, it to, to judge them. I'm using it to kind of get a, get a perspective uh, on them as far as like here, maybe here's some things we have in common or some things we could Oh, you know, you're married. Maybe you have kids, you know, or not that you couldn't have kids if you weren't married, but you know, it's like a, an entry point for a discussion, you know, oh, you've, mm-hmm. you've got a cool watch on, not just a, not just a generic, uh, you know, Casio G-Shock. You actually have like, you know, a, a cool watch from here. Let's, let's talk about that, you know. Uh, but I've, I remember when I first noticed rings on people was I was um, in line to register for classes in college and there's this really hot girl in front of me. So I just sort of idly was trying to start up a conversation and maybe, you know, see if I can get something going. And she's like, no, you know, just flat out, just shutting me down. I was like, okay. And she's like, don't you see, I have an engagement ring on. Oh. And I was like, and she like held it up. And I was like, no, I never even occurred to me right. to look at an engagement ring ring or a ring or a hand, you know, like I never even occurred to me, but ever since then I've been like, what ring do they have on? Well, see, this is the thing. I, I always assumed that the entire point of a, of a ring, uh, engagement or, or marriage ring was to do just that to, at a certain point in a bar or somewhere else in the world, hold up the hand uh, back of the hand toward you, right, right? And be like, "Hey, boing!" <laughs> the like, universal, I'm rejecting you without being a a bitch about it. Uh, signal, yeah, yeah, just like sorry, but pow. But I always, I thought that the ring was meant just for that gesture and not a thing that that we should be picking up in advance of that gesture. And right, that should no, that should be like a sign around the if, if in in that context, that should be like a. A, a spotlight over somebody with like a shining on their, their a big label on their chest that says, do not approach basically. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. but, but I mean, I guess when I'm meeting people and talking to them, I'm looking at their eyes primarily. I don't know what I'm looking at. I'm looking at their eyes. And then if they, 
male the, or female, if they give me the opportunity, if they stand up and walk away from me, I'll look at their butt. And right, of course, yeah. Pretty much everything there is to tell about a person <laughs> by looking at their eyes and their butt. Where, here's what you do. As, you're, as you, you notice a person that it seems like you're about to have a conversation with, mm-hmm. you glance, just glance down at their left hand. Just glance really quick. And that, that'll tell you, it doesn't matter, man or woman, will say, oh, this, this person's married. Maybe, maybe this person's uh, not married. Maybe at least just, it gives it, you a, it. It's like a, like an educated guess, really. It's too much additional information. I'm never going to remember to do it. You know, I like think that's you will. The thing you got to. Re- that's the thing you got to remember to do. I think it becomes it, just, it becomes like second nature eventually. All right. You know, well, like when you drove to your your private office today, you weren't uh, sitting there thinking, okay. First, I'm going to go out of the driveway, right? Okay, check. Then I'm going to turn left. And then, I'm okay, going to go about a mile. And then I'm going to turn. You're just like, by the time you're thinking about what you're doing, you're actually pulling into your office. It's automatic. This will become automatic. And you'll read it and you'll take it in and you'll say, all right, I got it. Like you can mm-hmm. tell so much by looking at people. You can look at their shoes. You can tell so much about it, especially with, with men. You can tell so much about someone. With, you're, the, you're the master of boots you know everything about boots you tell me you look at people's boots all the time oh no that's true i do look at their boots yeah you're, at, you're boots. doing that automatically i never you look gotta, at well, for the boots. thing is you gotta check the shoes like everybody knows well to ring Man, the ring woman, too. you gotta check the shoes you gotta know what the you, you know who you're dealing with by the shoes yeah i agree but the rings i don't know you get i can't the thing is part of me is <laughs> part of me is that i have that sort of um inability to see inability to understand the reverse, right? So I don't know which hand I could never tell. Remember back in the day where it was like, if the earrings in the left ear, it means this, if the earrings yes. in the right, ear, it means that, right? If the handkerchief, if the red handkerchief is in their left pocket, it means this right pocket. It means that the Brown handkerchief in the right pocket. Look out. Um, I never could look at somebody and remember which hand was, which I don't, I can't, is your wedding ring on your left hand? Yes. Ring, ring finger left hand, right? Yes. I, I, so I, that was just a guess. But if I'm looking at somebody across the room and they have their finger, they have their ring on their left finger, but it's the right side for me looking at them, it's, or it's like stage left or something, I'm already, I'm already baffled. Squarespace is our second sponsor today. Squarespace, make your next move. Make your next website. That's what they do. They help you make amazing websites and they make it incredibly easy. They've got beautiful award-winning designer templates that are just awesome. You can make your website. You can make an online store. You can host your album. You can put your photos up there. I mean, anything that you want to do. They've got award-winning 24-7 customer service. Can't beat it. Have a question. You ask them. They figure it out. They help you out. And they've got a free trial. That's the beautiful thing about this. You don't have to like commit to using them. You just go in, experiment, explore, try it out. Try the service out is what I'm saying. Give it a chance. Give yourself a chance. Go to squarespace.com. And when you sign up, use the offer code roadwork and you'll get 10% off your first purchase. It's a lot of fun. It couldn't be easier. Make stuff, sell stuff, make a beautiful website, make your life beautiful. They're going to have to run with that. Squarespace.com, offer code ROADWORK to get 10% off your first purchase. I was thinking about this the other day. When I was 30, there was not a single person in my culture that was married or considering getting married. 
I didn't know a single married person that was in my um, pretty large group of people that that was you know in my world. Like the yeah. the people I went to high school with it were married, but my own group of of fellow thirty year olds who were in the arts. Not a sing. It had never occurred to any of us to get married. We never talked about it. Uh, it wasn't like it just didn't exist. And that's kind of amazing to me, given the number of people that get married. Um, that it, that none of us ever that there wasn't a single pair of people who paired off and said, "You know what? We're going to get married. What about that? Isn't that hilarious?" Like nobody even did it as a joke. So there wasn't a time, there wasn't a time where it was, you know, nobody was wearing promise rings. Nobody gave each other right. like, like uh, little necklaces that said I'm his or something. Uh, so no, I, I got, I got left behind and, and watches too. I just feel like. I feel, I feel like, like John, you, you and this is surprises me about you. I thought I would think that watches would be something, especially vintage watches, that would be completely in your wheelhouse in a big, big, big way. Because especially when it comes to vintage watches, first of all, these watches are the automatic ones I'm talking about. No, the automatics, right? We're not talking about the quartz. No, get out of here. Yeah, get out of here. The they're was alive. A, was that you spitting on the ground? On just the floor. Then? On the floor of my office. Toy. Patoy. Patoy. My is grandmother used to made? do that every time I'd say Volkswagen. Patoy? Oh, sure. Sure. Because of the Germans. Yes. Patoy. You couldn't bring it up. Uh, no. So the um, th- these watches, they're, they're alive. You know, like they're moving things. They're living things. They're alive. They move. They respond. Are they, they, are they alive with the sound of music? No, there really are. I mean, and watches, these watches are one of the most amazing things that, that humankind has been able to ever make. And you get to wear one on your wrist. It's, it's a little machine that does things. It's, it's absolutely fascinating. And what a story you're telling. Yeah. And not only that, but when you get these vintage watches, mm-hmm. there, each one has its own story how did it how did it come to get here you know who had it what was that person's story how did it wind up on your wrist there's like a whole lineage and whole story and like the little marks and patina and scratches and other things on them like how did that get there what happened to get it there along the the way and like it's still it's still running it's still keeping great time you know like this thing that was made 40 30 40 50 years ago or more is still huh. keeping great time. It's still telling great time and it's telling a story too. It's just like everything about it is John Roderick. And I can't believe you don't like, how are you, how do you not into this? Well, well, so as you can tell, Shameful. as you can tell, I am interested in them, right? We've been talking about them now for John, several, I have to get you birth your birth, your watch several minutes at yeah, least. Yeah. Um, it's, I, I think what it is, is that my, um, that, that my attention is not drawn to people's jewelry unless it is really, really like if someone is wearing like I, my good friend, Jesse Sykes, who was a musician who was uh, on my record label with me during the heyday of that label. Right. Uh, Jesse had straight black hair down to her waist. 
and really uh, and she was a she was ethnically diverse. Let's say she was, um, I think, half Jewish and like a lot of American people, uh, her ethnicity was made up of a lot of different component ethnicities. But Jesse really, really rocked a kind of, mm, you know, there, you know, in the the seventies, there was a lot of appropriation of Native American uh-huh. jewelry and imagery right. and so forth. And Jesse was, um, you know, she had this long black hair. was very uh, was indeterminately exotic, and she often wore one of those chokers that was made out of like little polished bone, like several sort of the kind of choker that you would see on, on, uh, uh, Geronimo. And she had a lot of jade jewelry that she wore and like, um, those tortoise shell combs in her hair. And I mean, she was really be- be- bejeweled, but all, not with uh, not with like diamonds, but like bejeweled with accoutrement. Right, and like she had, she was wearing adornment that you could not possibly fail to notice because it, um, it was a lot. There was a lot of it, and it was also it it was astonishing, right? It was astonishing looking. And it really, and I guess, I guess part of it was that it suited her, it suited her, her look. But shy of that, shy of the jade, the jade jewelry that a Topanga Canyon expatriate would be wearing to the quote unquote general store in her $600 hand tooled cowboy boots. I'm sorry, $6,000 hand tooled cowboy boots. I'm just not... It's not that I'm not interested. It's that I am not picking up. I'm not, I'm just not picking up on the signaling that people are doing. And I think part of my problem my whole life is that I'm somewhat blind to signaling. People are signaling and I am oblivious. I'm oblivious to it and I miss a lot of signals. I used to miss the signal. I used to miss the signaling that was, um, I want to be your girlfriend. I used to miss that signaling a lot. I would say, boy, this girl's sitting close to me. She <laughs> must want to talk about World War One because, of course, I'm reading a book about World War One in this bar, and she must be sidling up to me because she is also a World War One scholar. Right, of course. That generally was not the case, and I was misinterpreting the signaling. And I also used to m- miss the signaling uh, where it was like, this guy at this party is about to throw a punch at me. This person does not like me and is about to drunkenly like try and hit me. And I remember I was standing at a party talking to this guy and he was like weaving and had a whole, what seemed to me to be a a very interesting variety of looks going across his face. And his friend said, Hey, He's, he's winding up to, to punch you FYI. And I was like, really? I looked over at the friend. I was like, really? Why would he want to punch me? And at that moment, the guy like out of nowhere, just comes swinging in with this like 
hard fist, you know, not like a, wasn't a soft fist. It wasn't, this wasn't going to be a friendly punch, but because his friend had given me that one second of like, say what I was able to take just, I didn't even take a step back. I just leaned my body back far enough that this guy's roundhouse punch went completely around (laughs) and he spun around. It was like in a kitchen at a, at a, at a shit party he spun around in the wet beer that was on the floor and went completely down, knocked himself out. Oh my God. Kn- knocked himself out with his own <laughs> missed punch. <laughs> really? That doesn't and just I, happen in movies? No. And I was still standing there just like, wow. Oh, woo, that was, wow. That was nuts. And somehow his friend, uh, you know, tended to him, but no one else at the bar picked up his, no one else at the bar or no, I'm sorry, at the party. No one else at the party was mad at me. It was just this guy was mad at me. I had said something to him and he decided he was mad. And then I kept talking as I do. And he decided he didn't like that. And that's happened a couple of times. People just didn't like me and were about to hit me. And I didn't, I did not notice their signaling. I did. I don't notice when the, when the, uh, when the person's feathers get ruffled. And I also didn't notice like the very naked frustration or I'm sorry very naked flirtation right um just like hmm I mean I I, I think I wanted to talk about World War one to both groups the <laughs> angry guy and the flirtation <laughs> yeah so I'm not seeing things like do you think it's because you're not I I totally first of all I know exactly what you're talking about and when I was a kid I I remember this vividly I always felt a little bit like I was not totally always in on reading what other people were thinking or feeling like I was a little bit oblivious, but it was kind of the other way around. It was more like, I didn't know like when the joke wasn't funny anymore type of thing. Like, Uh you know, uh like I, I might, I might, or I might want to keep talking about something that other people had already moved on to the next topic uh, type of thing. So it took me a while to kind of learn that though to understand those subtle cues from other people to which kind of said like oh right they're bored of that topic now i it yeah you know, i can i can here. i can move on or they they have moved on and i should right, you are you are flogging this joke is <laughs> that's, what that typically that's right looks like. that's right and so uh you know but i i totally understand and that also in in a sense do you think that you have a good perspective on how people are seeing you at, uh, at any given time. Do you think they're correctly reading your signals? No. Well, let me think. Let me think. Let me think. I feel like I'm kind of an open book. Yeah. And I tend to. Like when you're, when you're happy, you kind of skip skin, jump oh, up in the air and click your heels. And no, 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 no. Nobody knows what my face means because I'm always just sort of like frowning in the same exact way. Not frowning, but my my resting. I have resting bitch face. You know <laughs> Do you? I mean? Like I just sit there and I'm like, huh. Um, so no, I wouldn't say that you would look at me and know what was going on necessarily. Um, I often so there's a there's a kind of text chain that goes around sometimes that involves uh, that involves a group of people that some of them are. Some of them are are you know, unquestionably like cooler than I am. Let's mm-hmm. just say, let's just call a spade a spade. They're just like they're cooler than me, and that's fine. You know, we all have a good time. But I am always 
like they're very, very, very good about not being the last one to text, not being the one to, to have an unanswered text. Right. 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 There's six of us on the chain and we're back and forth like, ha ha, no, you are bow, do, do, do snappity snap and weird, like little, uh, like gags upon gags upon gags. And then I'm usually the one that's like, yeah. And, and then, Hmm. And when I, when I'm like, Hmm, well, let's see if I smoked pot, I would definitely be thinking about this for a while. Like that. I went one text too too far. I don't smoke pot. So I only think about it briefly, but a little bit of like, huh? And, and it, if it happened once a year, that'd be one thing, but it seems to happen every time, right? I'm very much like the last text. I'm always the one that sent the last text in those like back and forths where it's like, should have let that the cool move was to let that last joke get little to let the last joke go without, without having to say it, you know? So there's a little bit of that. I still have that kind of like clumsy nerd, uh, not knowing like how to get out. But when people interact with me, huh? You know, I hear from people all the time that I'm mean or I'm not mean, but like intimidating. And I think about myself that I'm like always, always game, always fun, always ready to, uh, ready to get on the first pony and ride into the forest. Mm Mm-hmm. And the idea that I would be intimidating or that people would think I was a, or that I was a grump, uh, just by looking at me or interacting with me personally is always a surprise. Um, so I must be signaling some amount of, and probably it's a residual from spending a lot of time kind of walking around the city alone. Right. You kind of have that, that shield. Up. Yeah, you get a little bit of uh, you get a little bit of don't fuck with me. Right. Sure. Well, you need that. Yeah, or I thought I did. I mean, you know, I I needed it enough that 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 I developed it and then kept it. But it's not. It doesn't uh, serve me. Right. There's no. I don't. I'm not. I'm. I don't need to communicate that now. Like, hey, people that came to my tweet up, don't fuck with me. <laughs> It's like, no, they came to your tweet up. That's they're there precisely to fuck with you. 